Hey, you're listening to Modern Mia, the podcast that tells the stories and discusses the topics that matter most to Black professional women and mothers. I'm Antonia Akatunde. I'm the founder of ModernMia.com, um, a website that provides a space for women to share their stories and talk about their experiences juggling motherhood and career. Um, and with me is my lovely co-host, Yolanda Galt. Yolanda, tell oh, people about yourself. Oh, what a great intro. <laughs> Am I lovely? You are. Well, You're so lovely. Oh, well, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the author of Child Please, How Mama's Old School Lessons Taught Me to Check Myself Before I Wrecked Myself. It's my memoir about my life, about my goals, about myself. <laughs> <laughs> It's a really great read. Thank um, you. I actually uh, became acquainted with Yolanda from her uh, very powerful, very viral New York Times op-ed called What Black Moms Know. Um, and it basically presents the, um, the premise like black old school moms were not as obsessed with the mommy wars as we currently are. And... I just loved it. So I wanted to have her I'm on I'm glad the site. you did. I got a lot of heat. I got a <laughs> lot of heat. I mean, a lot of people held me down, but there were just a number of people who thought I was like this stark, raving racist. Yeah. And, uh, well, people know. don't like the word black showing up in headlines That's at all. They're it. very That's primed it. to be like, oh, well, That's you're racist. It. I'm not racist. That's it. Um, I came to that conclusion. Yeah. People people don't like Mm-mm. that at all. Don't say it. Mm-mm. <laughs> on today's episode, we're going to discuss our hot topic. Topic, the rise of white women saying and identifying as mamas, which I just came um, about recently and don't know how I feel about it. Um, I want to talk to you about it. And then later we'll be discussing what it's like to manage a creative business as a mom and to become a single mom after divorce or separation with our guest textile artist, Rochelle Negron. Will be joining us later. So I'm really excited. Can't wait. Can't wait. Her <laughs> stuff is awesome. Yes, definitely. Everyone um, well, we'll we'll plug her website later, yes. but because yes. everyone should have a piece of hers in yes. their home. <laughs> All right, so or two or three <laughs> um, white women saying "mama." So my friend David Dennis, who um, is an amazing writer and works at Boss Up, um, he sent me this leak, and he was like. White women are taking everything, um, but it's, <laughs> <Our> <laughs> lips, <our> booties, <laughs> everything. Nothing is safe anymore. Um, but it is the story that was on longreads.com called "The Rise of Mama" uh, by Elisa Strauss, um, and I'm just going to read you two quotes that I feel like sum it up. The first one, I noticed a number of alternative moms who referred to themselves as mama. This was the radical homemaking, attachment parenting, extended breastfeeding bunch. And mama was right at home with their folksy, back to the earth approach to motherhood. And then the second one is, I feel like mommy infantilizes me and mom makes me feel like the mother of a teenager. But mama makes me feel like a pioneer who bakes her own bread, wearing an apron and is otherwise capable and timeless. Not that I bake my own bread. I used to long before I had kids. Uh. And so it's it's really funny because at first I wanted to say that it was another example of, of cultural appropriation, mm-hmm. even though I kind of, based on various conversations, I'm so over that phrase because yeah. it's like everything is cultural appropriation now. Um, but I I find it so funny that people are very able to remove context from all these words that they're adopting to define themselves as mothers or as women. So what do you think of? That's the part. You're right. That's the part. I don't mind. I don't mind because I think that the whole mommy and mom thing, I can see where white, black or indifferent, I can see where that would grate on a person. Mm-hmm. I really can't. So, and I know that in the suburbs and I think all over, you become so-and-so's mom. You don't even have a name anymore. All of my kids' friends refer to me by my kids and then the mom part. Hey, Cole's mom, Cole's mom, Cole's mom, can, Cole, Cole's mom, Cole's mom, can I come over? Cole's mom, Cole's mom. You know, it's all, like I don't have a name. Right. You know, it's no longer, when you were growing up, I mean, didn't you have to call people Ms. So-and-so or Mrs.? Oh, I still do. I, right? I, and everyone who is related to my parents, they're aunt and uncle, even if they're not blood related. Like, yes. I don't call people by their first names unless. You never do. Yeah. You would never. You would never. You would never. I just, as you said, though, I. I have a problem with just stripping the whole blackness from it. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I feel like what's left? Yeah. What's left? Yeah. But 
it's interesting because like in this article, they get to the the fact that like black people, Latinas, you know, people all over, all over the world have been using the word mama. Right. But only after they talk about it as something that only alternative women are adopting and associating with. So they trace it back to this alternative parenting magazine that was called Hip Mama. And it started in 1993. And mm-hmm. I was like, people have been saying mama <laughs> pre-1993. You know what it reminds <laughs> me of? It reminds me of two things. And I'm sure you remember them because they weren't that long ago. But yeah. it reminds me of just, was it last month, right? Allure magazine had the spread on oh, how to get an afro. Yeah, with a white woman. How to get an afro. Yeah. I mean, with step by step, how to, you know, and it's just it's like when Anna Wintour decided that big butts were in. Oh, yeah, because of J-Lo and Iggy Azalea. They're in. They're Iggy in. Azalea. And this was just like 2013 or 14, right? Yeah. That's when they became in. Yeah. So if you're a grown woman <laughs> with a, a, a booty like an, a regular black woman, yeah. you're not in until Anna Wintour says you're in. And you just got in. Right. You just got in. And you could still be still not even really. No, not even really. <laughs> not you're even right. really. Not like, even really. if you really. walked into Vogue with your big booty, I don't feel like Anna would be down with that. <laughs> no, she wouldn't. No, it's a certain kind of big booty. <laughs> it's the injectified. Big, it's not yeah, the kind the of sample size big booty. Yeah, it's not the kind of you know go to one side then the other when you want big booty. <laughs> you know? It's not the onion booty. It's, it's not, not the Maya Angelou that, booty. No, it's not. <laughs> That's funny. When I was writing the book, even though it was a memoir, it is a memoir. I I just started to just try to take in everything because yeah. I just wanted to see what people were saying about motherhood. And I ran across that magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a website, too, way okay. back in the day. And I want to say there was a book. Okay. The Hip Mama's Guide to yeah. or something like okay. that. I never actually found the book itself, but I saw something on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe it was related yeah. to the whole concept. And it was all about... To be honest, I mean, not like I'm trying to say, well, I am trying to say that, you know, black women run everything and, you know, what we think rules everything, but kind of it does. (laughs) But it was kind of our whole ethos when it comes to parenting, you know, like, don't sweat it, you know, just love your child. Love is enough. You know, it was it was a lot of the attachment stuff. But then when you think about it, right, weren't. Weren't we attachment parents back then? No. By necessity. Okay. Right? <laughs> well, when you say attachment parent, um, what does that mean to you? Because I have a very like specific to co-sleeping. Me it, to me, it just means carrying your baby around with okay. you and um, <laughs> and maybe co-sleeping because you couldn't afford a crib. <laughs> <laughs> and the baby may as well just lay down. Why buy a crib that you're only going to use for a few months? Right. right? Because, I mean, I know a lot of black people. When I had my kids, I know a lot of people who, who didn't feel like there's anything wrong mm-hmm. with your baby sleeping next to you. A lot of black people felt that way and they weren't like, oh, what if the baby rolls over? Oh, what if you roll over? Oh, mm-hmm. what if what if what if what if there's like this crunchy artisanal parenting yeah. thing that grates me about yeah, mama and like <sighs> you know I, I didn't even think about the fact that you know that is part of the black parenting experience yeah. like attachment parenting being something that black people just do naturally but don't yep. slap a whole foods friendly label on <laughs> yeah. it so <laughs> it just it just grates me this idea that you're a mama but you're a mama if you bake your bread and you like like sprinkle nutritional yeast on your Lunchables or you would never give your kids Lunchables because MSG. No, my God, are you kidding? You got to get the Annie's mac and cheese. You got to get the Annie's. You can't get the goldfish. You got to get the Annie's. You know, what's really funny when my girls were small, they were toddlers and um, we live where we live now. And it's, 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 it's a suburb. It's, it's fairly diverse. I mean, I love when people say that it's diverse. You know, people say that a lot about Montclair. Like anytime I talk to a black professional lady, they're like, I live in Montclair though. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I know. I know some other black people who live when, there. When people say that, when, when white people say that, they mean to say, I know black people. <laughs> I know some. I, I have a black friend. I know <laughs> I know a few black people. So you can try. I'm cool. I'm cool. No, I love Montclair. I'm not going to lie. I really do. I love my town. I love my town. Um, the thing is, my girls started calling me mama apropos of nothing. And mm-hmm. my friends thought it was so funny because... I never told them, you know, you don't tell somebody what to call you. And they just started calling me that. They've since stopped, actually. Around what age were they calling you mom? They were like three. Okay. They were around three. And I don't know. I thought for a while, I thought, well, maybe they hear me calling my mother ma Mm -hmm. and mama, Mm -hmm. you know, so maybe that's where they got it. Yeah. But, um, 
I don't know. I for some reason, even though it still is predominantly white, Montclair, um, my kids, my kids are blacker than most, <laughs> Montclair, and they just, I don't know. It really just, it's it's just who they are. And because um, my black friends would say, "Mama, why are they called?" And they would. They, they kind of liked it, but, you know, like with all things my kids, I noticed that they kind of look at me like, no, we live in Montclair now. Why are your kids <laughs> calling you mama, you know? So there's this, there's this funny thing. There's this funny thing with black people who yeah. live in, quote unquote, diverse yeah. neighborhoods like Montclair. You know, it's like you want to be, you know, like kind of all things you want to be, I think, in a certain way. There, there's an element of black folks that just want to be accepted by all. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And that for them, so for some of them, that means being not too black. Something else that came up in that article was that it was like trying to create a space for themselves that like they felt dehumanized by having a child. Mm-hmm. Like, do, do you, did you feel that way about becoming a mom? Like something that when I hear mama, I think of, again, black people from different countries. Mm-hmm. Like in Nigeria, when you talked about someone's mom, you, or you refer to someone, you refer to them as mama and then you say the child's name. Oh. And it's like a, a compound phrase for that woman. And my mom hates that. She's like, no, I'm Amelia. Like I'm not mama Tony. Right. I'm not mama Laddie. I'm, I'm Amelia. Um, but for these women, it was like, you know, to what you were saying earlier, I exist outside of my child. So being a mama is like still, I don't know. I think for a lot of women and especially for a professional woman. And if we talk about, you know, a largely white population where we have our children later now. Mm. So I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, you have you have a very, very set identity. Usually by the time you have a kid, you're not. You're not just out of college or high school, you know, especially. You've had a professional life. You've had this strong identity. You've spent a good amount of your time investing in it. Mm -hmm. And I can see where some people would feel that way, especially because a lot of people, um, you know, in in, in the white culture, you know, it's not uncommon to stop working. So, you know, maybe not forever, but for maybe an extended period of time. And so I think you would become defensive mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's it just feels like white women are new to a game that black women have been like running for a really long time without any accolades. Yeah. So, you know, you were the stay at home mom for a very long time and now you're entering into the workforce. So you want to feel like you can come to the the plate and be respected for those skills that you're bringing to work while also being a mother. Right. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't think they know how to handle it. We, <laughs> in our society, we have to have a label for everything. That's true. We have to have a label for everything. There's this one writer. I haven't heard from her a long time. You know, the one, Oh my gosh. Uh, Wolf, Naomi Wolf, you know? Okay. I feel like she, and, and she just represents a slice. I mean, she is really representative, I think, of a lot of white women writers. I don't know if you feel this way. I'm not, maybe I am hating a little bit on <laughs> white women writers, but I just feel like they can take whatever has happened to them and make it a cultural phenomenon. Oh, totally. Right? Oh, totally. Right? I mean, she wrote that book about having her baby, Misconceptions. Okay. I mean, she had a baby. She went to the OBGYN. Right. And, you know, I don't know. I think at the last minute she had to have a C section. Yeah. <gasps> <laughs> Bestseller. <laughs> Horror. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And then there was this assault on the healthcare system. Yeah. And how could this happen? And it's just like the book was a like 400 page <laughs> book, too. It was not a light read. It wasn't. Oh it was not a light read. Yeah. But I just feel like um, that's sort of the license. Yeah. That's, you know, that's kind of what comes with it. Mm-hmm. I really do. Yeah. yeah right. Um, Well, that's interesting that you were talking about like people needing to put labels on everything because that's a really great segue into our guest, uh, Rochelle Negron. We're really, really excited to have you on the show. I just want to read your read your bio first. Um, Combining urban pop culture with a modern design aesthetic, Rochelle creates culturally conscious wall banners using bold, crisp text reminiscent of pop art motifs. A textile artist from Brooklyn, New York, Rochelle is an Afro-Latina fangirl of pop culture navigating independent motherhood of adolescent boy-girl twins. Her work can be found and purchased online at rayoandhoney.com. That's R-A-Y-O and honey.com. Uh, welcome, Rochelle. Thanks for having me. Yay! 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 <laughs> 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 um, so... 
the the label that you use to to define yourself or one of the labels you use mm-hmm. is independent mother and i think that's really cool brought that to, to i you. read an article and i i did try to find where the article that i read that inspired it but it was about uh single mothers in sweden mm. and the fact that the entire article only referred to them as independent mothers was really like it really kind of hit me in my gut as far as how I identify as um, a woman who's divorced with two children and how for me, I ca- having been raised by a single mother, I carry, you know, unconscious stigma mm-hmm. for what that yeah. means. Yeah. Um, I find myself when I, when I'm talking, you know, I'll just be talking about my children or my business or something and somehow some way psychologically, unconsciously, I find a way to um, validate myself by slipping in, I'm divorced, when I was Mm -hmm. married, Mm -hmm. my Mm ex-husband, as if somehow that legitimizes my motherhood, my womanhood, my relationships, anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, But the, the idea that independent motherhood, to be an independent mother is exactly what I am. And it's exactly what a friend of mine who's actually going through the process of looking for a sperm donor to have a child on her own. Why should she be considered a single mother? Mm -hmm. That refers to her relationship with another person. Yeah. You know, it doesn't refer to her relationship to her children or her relationship to the world. That's fair. As she is, you know, out there. Yeah. So I, I thought, wow, this is for me kind of this whole psychological shakeup for me to really start seeing myself as an independent mother and only labeling myself as an independent mother because it was so freeing to literally remove single motherhood for me. Right. Like Mm. it really just it for me, it felt like a full changeover to more of who I am as opposed to fighting, which is what it feels like sometimes as a single mother, Mm. you're constantly fighting everything that you are doing on your own (laughs) and the idea of what people think that you're doing on your own, right? Mm -hmm. The perception. Um, You know, even now I have, you know, labels and talking about labels. So I have a partner Mm -hmm. and we live together and I say partner because for me, um, you know, we had an interesting thing come up where blue cards, you're, you're familiar with the blue card that has to be filled out, which means who can pick your child up from, from school. Or who gets called? You know, what's the order of people getting called? The idea of putting, you know, there's a slot and it says who's going to pick the person up and it says relationship. And if I tell you two days for me to even figure out what I wanted to put on this line as far as what his relationship to my children, because for me, boyfriend, no. I had a boyfriend when I was 16. You know, this is someone that I'm making a life with. Mm-hmm. This is someone who says, you guys ready to get your pajamas on? Yeah, right. You right. know, this yeah. is someone who's currently at home with my children right now. Yeah. You know, this is, this is the person that I share a bed with, share a life with, share the raising of my children with. Mm-hmm. So for me to put boyfriend, again, the stigma of single mother and her boyfriend, yeah. she's going to put her boyfriend down yeah. and independent mother. I thought about that and this epiphany hit me and I put family. That's what his relationship, ty- his yeah. relationship is to yeah. my children are. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what his relationship to me is. He's family. I don't have to tell you how that breaks down. Right. You know, it's just family. Yeah. And you're silencing those voices that are also in your head before you before you hear it from, you know, the administration. Oh, so. absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we you know, if you want to, we can throw some race issues in there as well. Oh, always. Whereas, you know, my children, mm-hmm. as I've say all the time, are, you know, the ambiguously tan brown children um my partner is six two and is a very large black man um so as far as i'm concerned could be their father mm-hmm. could not be their father mm-hmm. you don't need to worry about that right. um we pick you know we we'd been picking them up from a saturday program every single weekend for six weeks okay he's there with me they see the teacher everything we live very close proximity to their school one weekend, I'm not feeling well. He says, I'll run, I'll run down the street and get the kids. Okay. Within 10 minutes, he's like, they're not letting me take the kids. Oh, my gosh. Oh. They won't. And he's overcome with anxiety because now 
he's the big six foot two right. black guy. Mm -hmm. My on. kids are like, why can't we leave? Mm -hmm. oh, that's, wow. you know, that's family. Right. Yeah. <laughs> What's the problem? Right. And, um, you know, I, I threw my coat on and dashed down the block and I get there and I just kind of looked at their teacher and I was like, oh, so I'm sorry. Like, what's the what's the issue? She said, oh, you know, the blue card, blah, 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 blue card. Right. Which is how, you know, how the whole blue card thing started. But what I realized is um, he'd been invisible, you know, every mm -hmm. weekend that we had gone to pick him, pick up the kids. He was invisible. Yeah. Um, I'm not invisible in my children's school because I don't think I'd be I don't think I'd be invisible at any children's school. Like I'm that mom who like shows up ready and looking amazing. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I was going to say, let's just you can't see Rochelle right now. Yeah. But let me just let you know, she is fine. And I don't even play on that team, but she's like gorgeous. It's Saturday afternoon. I yeah. just I have sweats effort, on. Effort. I have on sweats. Yeah. I have no happens. effort. Listen to what listen to what's being said. Listen to what's being said. But yeah, so I, I think I stand out and I force myself to be very active within the school community and, and all that kind of stuff. But the idea that the, the reality is, is that there's not a lot of um, men of color. There, there's not. A, yeah, there's very few. I mean, the community we're in, there is a huge Arabic population. So mm -hmm. we do have like um, African Muslims, mm -hmm. um, but it's always the mothers yeah. that are right. engaging and are picking mm -hmm. children up. So you yeah. just don't see him. But the idea that he became invisible was very new to me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, just this idea of the stigma of being a single mother yeah. and changing yeah. that label, yeah. which I feel freed me from having to carry the weight of what that meant. Right. Um, and that. referring to him as my partner, because I want to honor our relationship and our family, mm -hmm. because that's a better representation of who he is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we all kind of deal with these labels without really understanding how deeply they affect us on emotional and psychological yeah. levels. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about independent motherhood versus single motherhood, um, what are the other differences besides the way that it relates to you and, and the person that you're with? Um, I think that when I think about, or if I'm understanding your question, the, yeah. the, the stigma of single motherhood for me, what it represents for me, because it represents different things for different people. Right. Mm -hmm. But for me, it automatically represents and I will be filleted for this but <laughs> it automatically represents um you know struggle yeah. mm -hmm. it represents poor decision making like I'm gonna say it you yeah. know what I mean yeah. it's what's there yeah. people automatically look at you and are like mm, mm -hmm. you did all the wrong that things. happened yeah. huh? right. you know that yeah. kind right. of thing um which is also an interesting thing because of my age group and having so many friends that are now, as I said before, starting to look towards the idea of having children without a partner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they're rejoiced upon. <laughs> You yeah. know, they're like, oh, you're so amazing yeah. that you you're are going to so go strong. and have a child. Go for yeah. it. And, wow. But you know, I think that's stuff. because, like, do you think that's because people know the story? Like if someone were to just see them walking on the street holding their child's hand without a man around or, you know, would that still be there? Um, I think it depends on which way they went. <laughs> I think that if it is a white woman holding a brown child's hand who she adopted, she will be embraced and patted on the back and told that she's done the most amazing thing in the world mm -hmm. and then offered hair advice. <laughs> um, I think if it's a black woman holding a child that looks like her without a partner, it is assumed that she is by herself. Yeah. Right. There is never, it is never, where is your husband? Right. Um, there's a wonderful kind of funny story uh, that I read on Twitter, a, a follower that I, uh, someone I follow who I love, uh, corporate Barbie. And she was very pregnant with a three carat, at least look, looks like, looks to me folks, like a, <laughs> like a three carat, you know, a, a wedding ring on, um, getting her car serviced, getting her, like, I think it was a Mercedes mm -hmm. serviced. Okay. So all the signifiers and of let me tell you, are there. If you think I look good. This woman looks like she fell out of a magazine. You know what I mean? <laughs> so she's right. Yeah. And she's waiting for her car to be serviced. And she's sitting there and a white woman is sitting next to her and leans over and, you know, starts chit chatting to her and says, and she, oh, I'm sorry, she's very visibly pregnant. Mm -hmm. So the white woman looks over and it, during this chit chat says to her, you know, my church has a lot of services for unwed mothers. And she's like, Oh, well, you should give me the information and I'll um I'll let my friends know since I 
am friends with a lot of people who do a lot of, um, you know, philanthropy work. Yeah. Like she, you know. Yeah. She held it together, but the re- in reality, she wanted to, like, take a bat to her car right. and, you know, flip out. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's that. Yeah. It's the fact that you can be wearing a ring that costs more than a woman's home mm-hmm. yeah. and, and dressed impeccably yeah. with, you know, uh, makeup that rivals any, you know, photo shoot. Right. And you're still considered when they see you pregnant and they see that you're a woman of color, yeah. the automatic assumption, the assumption Never the exception to the rule mm. is that you're by yourself, yeah, mm-hmm. and that you're there's no way you. And we be absorb married. that. We mm-hmm. absorb that, and mm-hmm. it's it's crazy. When I started the site, um, I would tell people of all races, you know, oh, I the site Modern Mia. I'm talking mm-hmm. to women of color who are talking about juggling career and motherhood, and it's about black mothers. And people automatically assumed that I was only profiling single moms, right? And I was like, well. You know, I have a wide array of women like there's nothing wrong with Mm -hmm. being a single mom. Mm -hmm. But why? As soon as I say black mother, you automatically assume that it's just single women. And then when you say single moms, there's like a more stereotypes happening there, too. Like, I'm sure you're thinking that they're collecting public assistance and like they're again, the the struggle Mm -hmm. alone, all of those things Mm -hmm. that, you know. So I really, I really like the the idea of flipping it on its head by calling it independent motherhood. I'm yeah. curious, how long were you divorced before you found that term? Um, I found that term like eight months ago. Oh, <laughs> because I'm newly so divorced, and not... everything you're telling me is so eye opening. I feel like there should be a couch here where I can lie down, and <laughs> I should write you a therapist check or something. Because you do, you feel all that. You feel a need to kind of say, I cannot. Hey, I don't I can't count how many times I say ex-husband, ex-husband, yes. ex-husband, mm-hmm. ex-husband. And I don't know that I'm even doing it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I always even know that I'm doing it. You well, know, d- divorce is always, you know, it says failure in a way. Well, I always to, to, I, 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 in your heart. I mean, it, yeah. right. it doesn't no really goes but, into marriage thinking that right. they wanted to, to end I, the divorce. I look at divorce as, you know, and the stages of what you go through after divorce is it's a death of something. Mm-hmm. It's a death of something. Um, yeah. So. Just like when someone dies, you grieve and there are stages of grief. Mm-hmm. There's stages that you go through after divorce, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Where you reach, you know, there's a lot of anger. There's, there's, you know, remorse. There's sadness. Um, there's tons of conflicting, you know, emotions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, my ex-husband, not my ex-husband, ex-husband, folks. Ex-husband, <laughs> my, who I refer to on Twitter as ex-thugsbin. Yes, he has, a, he has his own hashtag. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of fun stories in, in that hashtag, oh, if you'd like to look God. that up. Um, there was... There was some co-parenting at one point. Yeah. He's now in another country. So okay. there's no okay. co-parenting. Because okay. um, that, that ties into a question I'll ask later. Yes. <laughs> so it, it's, you know, you divorce and you go through all of these different stages and levels um, of grief and all yeah. those kind of things. And I think you care about, like, what a, we were together for 10 years, mm. had, had twins. Yeah. Mm-hmm year and a half after having twins, it was like, mm, um, hmm. I don't, <laughs> I'm gonna let you finish. But I think that I'm thinking, I mean, in truth, I actually woke up one morning, the kids were in the kitchen, I was drinking coffee, Stevie Wonder was playing, I was dancing. And I was like, Whoa, I feel amazing today. I'm so happy. Why do I feel happy? Oh my God, he's not here. Oh. I feel happy because he's wow. not here. Yeah. And decided yeah. that yeah. I could actually make the choice yeah. um, to choose happiness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I divorced someone after being with them for an arduous 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so a year and a half, we we split up. So the first portion of that kind of like uh, sadness and, and, and the ending of a marriage, right. a lot of that is the weight of the idea, like you said, is failure. Mm-hmm. So you have to now hold this idea that you said you were going to spend the rest of your life with this right. person. Right. And you had children. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you made it legal. You know, right. taxes yeah. and everything got connected. <laughs> yeah. And now it's done. Right. It's over. Um, and what that means to how you identify yourself, mm-hmm. how your children identify themselves, yeah. and then how the world chooses to identify you. All this is so 
annoying to me in the sense <laughs> that like, why is it that you're so like, why is it that we are so um, defined by our relationship to men specifically Absolutely, yeah. in like this very heteronormative yeah. way? Like, yeah, you're a single lady until you're a married lady and then right. you're a divorcee. And oh, my well, God. And there's also the, the horrific uh, dichotomy of, you know, single mothers are um, supposed to be virgin whores, mm-hmm. which is essentially <laughs> you are um pardon the expression, a whore because you've had children and it didn't work. Yeah. Um, so you must now be a virgin because you have children. Right. When I started to date after divorce, I, I can't even tell you the things that people would say to me. I mean, my own mother was like, did you get a, a, a criminal background on these men? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, I, it's coffee. I don't <laughs> I'm going to meet someone to have coffee, you know, and also there, it, of course, as a, as a independent mother, you do for, in my opinion, you have a different level of things uh, that you have to approach when you're dating someone. Yeah. For me, it was the people that I dated. My children never met. Right. You know, my children didn't meet anyone. If they did meet them, you know, I I was a shop owner of my own store in Dumbo in downtown Brooklyn Mm -hmm. for a number of years. They would maybe meet someone I was dating through my shop. Mm -hmm. So it would be, you know, like we always had friends hanging out. Very casual. Exactly. Mm -hmm. The only person they've ever known is my current partner, is my partner. Um, And that was my decision. You know, mm, the wonderfully fabulous, I'm saying that is thick and ripe with sarcasm as possible at <laughs> uh, Steve Harvey oh, um, suggests that, you know, <laughs> someone you're dating must meet your children. I believe within it's like six weeks or something. Does he really oh, but that's say when that? you, when you're thinking like a man. And you're acting like a lady. That's what happens. Well, no, I find, I, oh, that's foolishness. <laughs> well, I can't believe he says that. Right. Sorry, that was sarcasm right. as well. No, 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 no <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's his. That's based off Are of you his. Serious? Yes, yes. I and what that. is he basing that off of? Like, He's basing it off of you know, if your children don't like somebody, then you don't need to be with the oh, person. But here's wow. my thing. I know that I've raised these two incredible souls. Okay, they gonna like anybody. <laughs> Who's good to me. Yeah. There's just no other way around that. They're going to vibe with anyone who's good to me. Mm-hmm. So my concern is that you don't really even know. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Please. Ten years I didn't know somebody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> six weeks. You know, <laughs> but you know, you the the idea that your children are going to be able to pick up on some sort of supernatural evil. Yeah. Have is, spidey sense about your Yeah, is a little yeah. ridiculous. But my thing is is like, you know, I need to know I like you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you worthy of being in contact with these people, these two individuals, these two humans that I made and adore, mm-hmm. you know, more than anything in this world, do you even warrant the um, the privilege the privilege to be able to meet them? Because I'm not concerned about them liking you. I'm concerned if I like you enough for mm-hmm. you to meet them. Yeah, you know. So again, the the dating thing is really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> how long was that mother? been before? Or how long was it before you decided? Like, That's I a like, good yeah. question, Antonio, um, because I have not learned to spell date. So I want to just hear this. <laughs> I just want to know. I would like to say that I believe that we should do, that you ladies should do a special um, edition of setting up her uh, Tinder account. Um, <laughs> Are you serious? That sounds scandalous. Mm, a scandalo. I want, I want to do that. Let's, oh, <laughs> let's put a pin on that. Let's definitely do that. Okay, Cupid. You know what I mean. Oh my gosh! I'm not gonna say Black People Meet because it makes me nervous. And my mom told me to go on Black People Meet. Black People Meet sound like Black Planet. It is okay. (laughs) I'm like, (laughs) can't do it. I'm like Marquise. I saw you on Black Planet. (laughs) Stop trying to get at me. (laughs) Do not get him on the end. But you know, it's it's. I'm scared now. Go ahead. (laughs) I I, out of the gate for me, I was like, I'm going to date someone very opposite of mm. my ex-thugsman. Yeah. So I immediately, I, well, I won't say immediately, I would say within months, I started dating or seeing I, like dinner dates, mm. you know, with mm. a um, an FBI agent. Because when you marry a gangster, the only other thing to do would be when you divorce, <laughs> would be to fully date someone in a That's federal opposite. position yeah wow. immediately you nailed it nailed it <laughs> wow they um, all scare me yeah. the law and order types though i feel like they're gonna like 
dig a hole somewhere I loved it. and he had leave no- me in the Meadowlands and no one will Listen, know. After that, after 10 years and like, you know, giving birth to twins and, you know, for me also, I was in, I'm in a very, I had a very uh, lucky experience, a great experience where I had a career in television. I worked for VH1. Mm-hmm. I got pregnant, decided they were on the earth for 12 minutes and was like, yeah, I'm not, I will not leaving them. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not going, yeah. I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not going to work 16 hours a day right. for right. other people anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I stayed home with them for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, around when they were three, okay. I s- started developing my own business, mm-hmm. which was my first business, a children's clothing company. And I had a store as a designer for a number of years um, because I wanted to be able to craft something for myself to not be able to work. Right. Yeah. Um, so how do you, people. how do you manage that? Um, you were able to stay at home when you mm-hmm. were in your relationship uh, with your ex-thugsband. Ex ex-thugsband. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It rolls off the tongue now right. that I've said it more than <laughs> once. Um, but how do you, how do you go about that now that you're in I your I think anyone who freelances there? and, um, Stacia Brown, like one of my favorite oh my writers of all time. Mm-hmm. I love her. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she's amazing. Like, she's I amazing. read her, honestly, like I, the fact that first of all, she writes um, in prose, which I love. Yeah. She writes lyrically. Um, but she also really writes emotionally, mm-hmm. which I, there's so many think pieces out right now. And I think what's missing from a lot of think pieces, I'm like, well, how do you feel about it? Yeah. Like, how do you feel? Like Stop people are it. talking from like this 10 feet up. Uh... Mm, everyone's not Tahanase. And like, they need to make sure they understand that. Yeah. <laughs> you can't, everything can't be journalism with a little bit of emotion. Mm-hmm. Like I need more emotion, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit less journalism, but she definitely has a great, um, balance mm-hmm. with talking about that. Um, I think that when you're freelancing in general, even if you have a, have a partner and you're with someone, people assume that you have all this time on your hands, yeah, which is oh really gosh. interesting. Yeah, no. Um, and th- don't get me wrong. There are pockets of time where I'm like, girl, meet me for, you know, 50% off sushi. Like, I, can, you know, <laughs> I can have a lunch Wait, date. Wait, where's and, that? Yeah, <laughs> Park Slope, we'll talk okay. later. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, there's always like a, pl- there's always, there are little pockets of time. Mm-hmm. But I also have times when I have a wholesale order you know, I have 45 pennants that have to get out. Right. Um, I have to cut. I have to press. I have to sew. I have to press. Stay so up I'm, all night. I'm up all night, but I have a partner. I have two children. Yeah. I have all these other things that take place after five o'clock. Right. Mm-hmm. So really nothing's happening from like four to nine. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nothing can kind of get within yeah. that space. Um, the benefits of it is. I make sure that I'm able to go to every single school function. Yeah. You know, I will. This was actually the first year I didn't make the cupcakes they brought to school for their birthday <laughs> because I just can't do 60 cupcakes mm-hmm. again. Yeah. Well, you have <laughs> just, twins, so you have to do them for two Right. Classes. So it's 30 and 30 cupcakes oh. kind of situation. Yeah. So we, we did Whole Foods this year, yeah. and that was amazing. That's good for you, wow. though. You're taking <laughs> Right. But I think that there's this kind of preconceived notion that as a freelancer, you have a ton of time. And what people don't realize, there's a ton of other things that go into it as a creative of color, as a black creative. um, You know, I'm in a world where I have to constantly reach out. Mm -hmm. There is, you know, there's a huge uh, maker revolution that's happening, handmade, homemade, yeah, yeah, all yeah. the artisanal things yeah. that are happening. And one of the things that you don't hear people talk about at all or enough is what is happening with all of the creators of color. Right. Um, whether you're an artist or you create different things or you make T-shirts or mm-hmm. whatever it is, you're a graphic designer, um, there really isn't a big community. There's little you're offshoots kind of, of it, right. but there's not right. one big community. You're kind of pushed off into like a niche. Exactly. It's hard to you break know, into mainstream. If I go to a um, symposium at Etsy, mm. you know, I'm one of four brown people yeah. wow. that are there. That's just, that's just mm-hmm. what it is. So my time a lot of times is spent reaching out, connecting, mm-hmm. building yeah. with other people, and then also building with craft makers mm-hmm. of color yeah. finding mm-hmm. them being like oh hi hey yeah. how are you right um you know oh you have a workspace in chicago like can we do something together or i'd love right. to feature your work i'd love to talk about you yeah whatever those things are um so my time may not be spent every hour of every day making a pennant mm-hmm. making pennants but it is spent in building my business 
Awesome. Yeah. And I think on that note, we'll, we're going to take a little bit of a break, but when we come back, we'll continue this conversation about independent motherhood and managing a creative business. So we'll be right back. Rochelle Negron, who is a textile artist based in Brooklyn, New York. And we've been talking about um, independent motherhood and managing a creative business. So you're also the mom of twins while you're doing that. How do you create a space to be creative while running after two kids? Twins. No love. Twins. Twins. (laughs) And it's boy girl. So it's not just like, oh, guys, go do princess stuff or oh, go (laughs) do, you know, it's like lots of why don't you guys do mermaid, you know, robot party or something <laughs> like that, games like that. Um, for me, you know, and even talking about being a, a creative of color, I found that it's imperative um, being a creative person that I actually really carve out time for my personal inspiration is what right. I say. Now, whether that means walking by the water or reading a book or researching something or daydreaming, whatever that is, journaling, that um, that I need to create a a space. Yeah. Um, I think I did, but I think that that comes into how I was raised. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I was raised by a a single mother who was very um, bohemian, kind Mm -hmm. of hippie Mm -hmm. crystals and like, you know, like tobacco ceremonies to the moon and stuff. So, <laughs> uh, so there was like, you know, there, the, the, you had was, a foundation for yeah, it. The, the, That's fa- good the to foundation know, for me no, was important. very like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I've instilled it in my children is, you know, the moment in my family, the moment you walk is the moment you begin to carry your own bag. Mm. So your own bag would mean a backpack and there would always be crayons and there would always be something in it to, um, to, have fun with to keep you occupied, you know, when your parent is doing something or your family member is doing something. Um, But for me, it always meant that I had an outlet to be creative in some shape or form. Yeah. Um, Whether it was writing, whether it was drawing later Mm -hmm. on, whether it was, you know, using a camera and taking pictures. I always had those things. My children walk with backpacks. Mm -hmm. They pack their own. Now they're old enough. They have to pack snacks. They're responsible. Oh, you didn't bring a water bottle? Mm, thirsty today. You know, it's <laughs> got to bring what you're supposed to bring. You know, that's that's how that works. But I found that uh, black women, women of color, again, getting back to labels, I feel that we neglect a lot of our creativity mm-hmm. and we don't, uh, you know, there's a big, there's a big uh, talk right now. One of the buzzwords is self-care yeah. and the idea that, you know, you have to take time out to get your nails done and to get your hair done and to get all those me things time. and me time. And I, I agree with that. that. But I also feel that the component of being inspired and tapping into your creativity is important. Mm. And for a lot of people who don't know this, it can be something that will keep them sane, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, whether it's journaling, uh, scrapbooking, which scrapbooking is wildly mega big in this country. <laughs> like, I, I had no idea. Was not oh aware my gosh, of this. are you serious? Mm-hmm. I no, was not, not aware of Go into Walmart. Go uh, into Walmart. Where's there Walmart oh, in, just, just look up scrapbooking supplies. Okay, I'm going to do that right That's now. That's all you have to do. And it is a multi-billion dollar industry um, that is catered to white stay-at-home mothers mm. are the ones who clammed on to this creativity kick. Yeah. How did you arrive? I'm sorry. Go ahead. How did you arrive at what you do now creatively? I worked in television development um, for VH1 and I was planning on going on maternity leave and then rushing back um, into the trenches. And about 12 minutes after my children were born, (laughs) I was like, this will not be happening. I will not be leaving them yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, I, you know, my, I would also like to sidebar that was probably a little postpartum in there. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, when I said that, like, I'm going to watch you sleep to make sure you're breathing yeah. still. Can't do that if I go back to work. Um, <laughs> but it, it made me say, okay, well, what else can I do? And my first business, um, the company Little Poco, was really interesting because it came out of me complaining through my pregnancy that I couldn't find things that spoke to 
my uh, black heritage and things that spoke to my my Puerto Rican Latino heritage in the sense of clothing that I wanted oh, to put on my children. Okay. Okay. So when I wanted to go find this dress that I knew that I had that was from Puerto Rico, that was lace and it was embroidered, right. and I wanted to find this dress for my daughter. And mm-hmm. I went looking all over the place and complained every day about this dress, right? Went to Puerto Rico, hunted down the dress, found out the dress is no longer made in Puerto Rico. It's made okay. in Latin America and shipped mm-hmm. to Puerto Rico and sold to tourists, which was like, oh, my culture, you know, whole thing. <laughs> but then I started thinking about it. I was like, oh, my God, my culture. Like, this is what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Um, we all have these incredible T-shirts right now, Black Girl Magic, Black Girls Are Magic, all these different things that speak to Black American culture that I am so ecstatic about. But 10 years ago, you could not find a no, woman right? that said yeah. something. No. I'll tell you, one of my best sellers in my shop was a gold font in script on a brown onesie that said, Brown Skin Baby. Oh, that wow. was a best seller. Yeah. I mean, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them sold because they were amazing, but also because there was there nothing was else nothing. out there yeah. right. that, that, that spoke to that. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was an easy transition for me to be able to say, mm, well, here's a market. Yeah. <laughs> right. No one's doing it. Right. You know, I taught myself Photoshop at, you know, the kids would go down at eight, the babies would go down at eight o'clock. I would stay up to one o'clock in the morning teaching myself Photoshop tutorials, Mm -hmm. doing research. You know, I did a website within two years. I was within two and a half years. I was opening up a store. I was featured in Latina magazine. I was in newspapers. I was everything. And this was just pushing the idea that I knew I wanted to do something in which I can control. Mm. I knew that two things. One, I was not willing to do a 16 hour day. Yeah. five days a week anymore. Right. I wasn't willing to do it. Mm-hmm. I also wasn't willing to do it for uh, the cost of childcare. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yep. So once yep. I, you know, as I said before, I two, divorced when I my children were a year and a half. So the I- idea of leaving them for 16 hours, yeah, coming back, and I would then see 20% right. of my check would be for bills mm-hmm. that's after childcare. Yeah. You know, after yeah. childcare, yeah. it was not, it, 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 it wasn't, it was an option for yeah. me. Yeah. I said, I have to make this happen through whatever it is that I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be devoid of, uh, it's going to be devoid of child support. What's going to be devoid of, um, childcare. The way that my mind work was, I'm not going to put them with someone else until they can talk um, because I wanted them to be able to tell me what was happening. That's During really smart. Day, um, and I'll tell you this, though, nowadays, not for nothing, a girlfriend of mine, she has two kids, there's cameras everywhere in her preschool and she can log in and oh, look wow. at her children yeah. anytime she wants to. That's great. And that's a incredible, beautiful thing. Yeah. We probably shouldn't talk about how much that costs, though. Oh. She's but- in a two-parent household. You know, they both work mm-hmm. and they can afford that. Wow. But the reality is not everyone can afford that. Yeah. Right. And child care is, you know, there was just a big article that came out talking about how it's more, more than rent in most more cities. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's uh, the creative life, just like the freelance, I always compare it to a freelance life. Like mm-hmm. you're a journalist. They're very similar. Or you're, yeah. they're very they're very similar. similar. But you are, uh, you know, you're at the mercy of whatever project yeah. you're really mm-hmm. you're really yeah. working on. It Oof. is a beautiful thing to be able to do. Um, I would definitely tell people, do your research. Yeah. <laughs> Don't like jump in and think, you know, I had a nest egg. I knew what I was working with. There mm-hmm. wasn't, you know, I wasn't like, and I'll make all this money and, you know, be able to do this. Actually, yeah. I was like exactly like that at first. And then it didn't happen. I was like, I <laughs> have a way of not working like out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm right in the thick of that right now. Where yeah. it's like. There's a lot of, there's a lot of unexpected, like, oh, I didn't realize that was going to yeah. happen. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of things, a lot of costs that come up um, with doing any kind of creative venture. Right. Um, but it was, for me, it was the right choice. What's interesting now is, so my children are 10 and I have family members, you know, this, so now. My company, Rayo and Honey, I started a year ago. Okay. My company, Little Poco, that I had, um, you know, two stores in. I had wholesale accounts all over the world, all these things. I basically reached a point where I was like, I don't want to be 
um, sitting in front of my sewing machine for 16 hours a day. Yeah. It turned out That's that I was going to do a 16 hour yeah. day for myself right. <laughs> and it no longer balanced out financially mm-hmm. or, and like, you know, the, for your family, it, for my family, it just, it just didn't make sense. So right. when I transitioned into my new company, which is more, um, it's Ray and honey. Rayo and honey. Tell us about the name. So the what? name is based on um, two different. It's based on one thing. Uh, my other company, Little Poco, was a play on um, English and Spanish. Mm-hmm. So little English, Poco, Spanish. So Love both it. little, little. Mm-hmm. The duality twins. Mm-hmm. So there, there's kind of like the little plan words in, you know, in in homage celebration for my children. Mm-hmm. So with Rayo and Honey, I'm really celebrating. Uh, the coming together of two Yoruban deities, uh, one being Chango, which represents uh, light. One of his attributes is lightning. So that's Rayo in Spanish. And honey is the attribute of Oshun. Um, so that's English. So it's Rayo and honey. And oh, to me, they're the perfect manifestation of um, balance. So mm-hmm. you have male energy and you have female energy. Mm-hmm. And um, when they come together, it's incredible. And those are my children. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's, that's, that's where, awesome. that's where the name that's comes from. Great. And they just turned 10? They just turned 10 about a week ago. Oh, um, it's, yeah. <laughs> adolescent, Double ad, ad, yeah. Adolescence, you know, it's just fun to kind of sit back and watch what's happening. Cause half the time I'm just like, whoa, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, well, what's one thing that you, that you've learned about independent motherhood and managing a creative business that you want to share with our listeners before we, before we let you go? Um, I'll say motherhood. Uh, what I've learned definitely is listen to your gut. Um, everybody is going to always, there's always one path that works for, for one person. And you should never expect that your path is going to be that of your friends, that of your mothers, that of your sisters, that of someone on television, that of someone on social media. You have to find your own way and find what's comfortable for you. Whatever social norms are, find what's right for you. And that's through, you know, there's kind of no excuses at this point because, you know, you got to have an Apple watch and look it up (laughs) on your watch, you know, or you can just look it up on the Internet or phone. You can do your research and figure out the type of parent that you would prefer to be, you know, as opposed to maybe following through with your own issues of how you were raised as a child or using examples of what you think you should do. Figure out what actually works for you. Um, and follow that. As far as being a creative, that's great advice. Yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. I've, I've learned as being a, a a creative person to also, um, let that dribble out into my, um, my parenting as well. I've made really hard effort to raise children that are also creative and that honor their own creativity. Um, whether it's making sure that they have their own little crafts projects to do or asking them to journal once a week. Um, you know, in talk, in being really proactive and talking to my son about expression, mm-hmm. um, in different ways and talking to my daughter about self-expression in different ways and understanding that they're individuals. So there's not one way to do that. Um, is pretty much how I feel like I allow my creative, uh, world to, you know, move over into their world as well. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining Thank us you today. For having Thank me. you. We've uh, learned a lot yes, from you. Yes, so much. Um, I love the way <laughs> the way you express yourself because what happens, it seems, is that the creativity is not something that's in this little compartment. Right. It's, Absolutely. It's, it's all throughout your life. It's in mm-hmm. your parenting. It's in your work, and that's beautiful. Yeah. What's amazing to me too is that, and you touched on this, it's like having the kids, having created the kids. Mm-hmm. That launches a whole new creativity right. on you, yeah. right? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, Rochelle, where can people find you in your work? Um, you can find my work at rayoandhoney.com. And um, if you would like to hear me talk a lot of trash, you can read me on Twitter <laughs> at aka mommy, which is aka m a m i um, on Twitter, and that stands for also known as mommy. Awesome. Thank you again, Rochelle. Thank you. Yay. Clap track. Yay. Yay. You're awesome. (laughs) Really. And now we're going to go into. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Uh, That was our producer's beautiful daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we're going to go into things that gave us life. Rochelle, would you like to join us? Sure, sure. That'd be great. Happy this week. So it's just 
us sharing one thing that made us happy this week. Um, and for me, I want to share the Viola Davis quote. Um, everyone is obsessed with Viola Davis for mm-hmm. totally very upset. obvious reasons. Yeah. She's amazing. She's elegant. She's poised. She's every everything. Um, but I was reading this article or this essay by Ashley Ford um, and on L.com about how her grandmother, who recently passed away, yep. was obsessed with uh, keeping track of black celebrities mm-hmm, and like keeping mm-hmm. them all. Um, Ebony. Yeah. I saw that article. And um, she she featured a quote from Viola uh, Davis um, from a 2011 Essence magazine article that I just like brought tears to my eyes. Mm. Um, I'm a crier in general, but this was like especially (laughs) well-warranted tears. Um, But it it says, as black women, we're always given these seemingly devastating experiences, experiences that could absolutely break us. But what the cat... Sorry, I'm going to just read that all over again. You're about to cry. I am. (laughs) You're about to cry. I can can hear your voice breaking. She's about to cry. I've been like going through some stuff this week and it's just like reading it just like... I'm a butterfly. We're going to have a minute. We're going to have a minute after this. <laughs> um, but it says, um, as black women, we're always given these seemingly devastating experiences, experiences that could absolutely break us. But what the caterpillar calls the end of the world, the master calls the butterfly. And I just lost it. Yes. And um, I got chilled. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, Oof. That's, so Viola that's Davis crazy, in 2011 is giving me life mm. uh, today. I remember that cover. She was wearing oh, like she, something green and the was, cover, it was gorgeous. Like the background was like blue green. Yeah. And she ha- like, it was before she owned her, her natural hair, but she like had this very stunning wig. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was wearing this black, white polka dot dress and she just was like smiling and looked lovely. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, ah. One of the amazing things about Viola Davis or, you know, what everyone knows is it took another black woman to create a space yes. for another black woman yes. to really rise yeah. and to shine yeah. and to be shown in some of the most complex mm. and beautiful lights. Yeah. I'm not going to say she's not on a soap. <laughs> it's a soap. It's a soap. <laughs> but, you know, the idea that she, you know, the, the now infamous scene of her removing her makeup and her lashes mm-hmm. and her wig, yeah. um, being powerful in the sense of, this is my everyday. Yeah. This is who I am. Um, and it's beautiful because I'm showing you. Yeah. You know, as yeah. opposed to, oh, my goodness, I've never seen anything like this before. Right. It's just celebration of the many different facets and the many different truths that yeah. are black women. Right. And only another black woman was it, able to create that space. Yeah. I just recently read an article with uh, Shonda and... Mm-hmm. L. I don't know why L is killing it with these with oh, these black lady profiles recently. L has just they <laughs> Can are I killing it. Honestly, honestly, um, media is loving us right now. Yes. I yeah. mean, all forms. L glamour. It's I mean, true. we're we're all over the place. The September right? magazine. Lupita's with her second yes. yeah, yes. cover. cover. Yes. Yeah. Beyonce the month before. I mean, two months yeah. in a row. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Two black women in a row. Yeah, I, I do feel that it's it, it is also a lot of money talking oh, or totally. there, is, of there, there is a real, I make a point to buy any there is of there course. is a realization yeah. Oh, yeah. that yeah. the amount of money um that there is to be made within our community mm-hmm. is real yeah. Yeah. yeah is real but what Shonda what Shonda said was that my black is not your black and she mm-hmm. like says that all the time in the writer's room to like say like your experience is you know not mm-hmm. my experience but that doesn't mean that it shouldn't be right another so, and, and also another independent yeah mother. exactly yeah. Yeah. You've been really good about like tying everything back <laughs> yeah. together. Like I really, I appreciate. Can I that. say that about myself? Do you think is it okay? I mean, I'm, I want to call myself independent. Well, mom you totally. Too. If, okay? you, if you don't I, call yourself an independent mom, what what title would would you? I use? don't have one, so I want to take that one. I would say independent <laughs> mom, but I, in, other one thing that I also like to use, which is because I like throwbacks, is I would oh. say I'm a divorcee. Next time a brother steps up to me, I'm gonna say, you know, I'm a divorce set. Yes. <laughs> and you know what? I bet he'll buy the next round of drinks. I was gonna I say he'll so. buy that martini. Uh, that dirty so. martini. It kind of sounds like you already yeah. have one in your hand when you exactly. say that, which is great. <laughs> I gotta get the cat eye yeah. while I'm at yeah. it. Rochelle, what's something that gave you life this week? Um, let's see. Something that gave me life this week. The rise on social media of people speaking out about a very poorly written article um, in New York Times on the cover of New York Times magazine about Nicki Minaj. Mm -hmm. Horrifically written article. Um, It was not it was a 
bad piece of journalism. Right. Um, and there is actually a section. Which the Times has been doing a lot of lately when it comes to us, right? To Remember talk about the, the angry Shonda? Well, yeah. to talk about the tie-in, you know, there's a section within that article that the journalist actually doesn't talk about the time period in which Nikki is said to have said these things, where she speaks on single motherhood. And she spe- and people on social media, some people really ripped her apart for these quotes. Um, some of them were along the lines of saying, you know, why can't, again, I'm paraphrasing, I'm not quoting, yeah. um, mm-hmm. but along the lines of saying, um, you know, why is it that we can't see ourselves as having children at 34, mm-hmm. 30, you know, in yeah. our 30s? Yeah. Why do we feel it? Why do black women feel it necessary to be single mothers and and have children at a younger age? In order why, to keep a man. Right. Yeah. Why isn't it the norm mm-hmm. for us to wait longer? Yeah. So I became enraged with just the idea of the journalist having the gall to choose to paint her in a very angry picture. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, to live up to the angry black woman stereotype. Mm -hmm. Very convenient um, stereotype. To also choose to insert um, men who are yeah mean nothing when you're in a uh cover story right you know yeah um and then to kind of close out with by um saying you know she the, the journalist gets kicked out of Nicki Minaj's hotel room because her questions were ridiculous and right. she clearly did not do her research on Nicki Minaj at all yeah um and she ends the article by admitting that you know she was right to get kicked out because her her the things that she was talking about were incorrect but also that Nikki is a boss bitch mm. And the way that I feel is you can't call her a boss bitch. Mm-hmm. You don't have right. the, the right or the authority to label her mm-hmm. what she has labeled herself yeah. mm-hmm. because she's chosen to label herself that because that is the only way that she can get past being called just a straight up. Yeah. Bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I was what what gave me life was the rise of so many voices in social media against this article yeah. as opposed mm-hmm. to just allowing it to be ether mm-hmm. and allowing it to be um, consumable media mm-hmm. that we all, you know, take in and subconsciously validate and say it's okay mm-hmm. to um, promote and to put a black one on a cover, but then to completely rip her to shreds yeah. in a very lazy, poorly edited just po- all around the board, just like Bush League crap. Yeah. It, it was, was bad. It was, it was so bad. bad. And I'm, I, we have seen us all over the place. And one of the things that makes me concerned is just the choices mm-hmm. editorially that are being yeah. made in which to frame us. Like we're seeing ourselves all over the place on the cover, seeing, but not seeing, but not producing captured, the content. Right. That and is what being, Shonda said yeah. about, uh, you know, I'm going to show you this black and yeah. this and this mm-hmm. and this, yeah. but there's a full. Yeah. There's no well, one spokesperson. Exactly. Right? And I could go on and on and on about journalism because you find that so often mm-hmm. they assign these stories yeah. to non-black writers and right. editors who have that was no the clue. first thing I did. I Googled New her name. New York like, Magazine this is not a black has this, this, this story on Obama and the black community. What do you know about the black community and Obama's relationship to it? Yeah. You're not black. Yeah. But you I know, listen so to hip hop. Right. I can't even. Anyway, Yolanda. <laughs> Sorry, okay, Yolanda. What gave me life this week is a little bit silly, but um, we could use a little levity. Yeah. Um, after that. I saw uh, somewhere on social media, I don't remember where, um, Michael Strahan's daughters were celebrating Crazy Hair Day. Mm. And his daughters are biracial, his ex-wife mm-hmm. is white, so they have that, you know, thick, crinkly stuff going on that I grapple with and use, uh, I don't know, way too much leave-in conditioner for my <laughs> girls. But they did the cutest thing with their hair. One had, like, healing balloons holding the braids, and one had yeah. serious, like, I don't know, like, soft drink bottles or something mm-hmm. in her hair. But the point is not really what they did. I just loved this man putting forth this creativity of his daughters. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminded me of Stephen or is it Stephon Curry? I don't know sports. Riley Curry. <laughs> yes, you know, yes, yes, yes. I just, I, I loved, I love, 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 love dads 
saying, these are my girls. Mm-hmm. This is my daughter. She's, she's strong. She's quirky. Yes, she's mm-hmm. talking. And maybe you think she shouldn't be talking, but I'm going to let her talk because uh-huh. she's got stuff to say, uh-huh. you know, and the kind of the thing with Michael Strahan, they're, 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 they're going all in with the crazy mm-hmm. hair. Mm-hmm. And it just melted my heart oh, because awesome. I think that little girls don't get enough love. Yeah. I really, I really think they just don't get enough love. And so mm-hmm. I love seeing that coming yeah. from the dads. I think with boys, and I know there's lots of issues, but I mean, my son is so, he's such a sports fanatic. Mm-hmm. And although I, their dad loves all his kids, it's, it's not an issue, but I feel like his worth is almost tied to his performance. And mm-hmm. I think that yes. when I watch men on the sidelines of, of games, I see mm-hmm. so much of, yeah, go, man, go, mm-hmm. yeah, score, score. And that's celebrated. But this is just this is their personality. And, mm-hmm. I, and, yeah. and I was just charmed by that. It just gave me warm feelings inside. <laughs> Anytime I see even an inkling of a celebration of um, black fathering, parenting. Right. Oh, my God. Exactly. I'm, I'm ecstatic. That's yeah. me. I mean, there's That's always me. Uh, anytime me. there's a celebration of father's parenting. Mm-hmm. Father's I'm excited, period. Period. Yeah. Um, in any but kind of way that's maybe yeah. emotional yeah, I love or, a dad. you know, creative in any way. Good thing I'm not a homewrecker but I do like <laughs> <laughs> I see a dad carrying a kid and just like yeah. you are so hot right so now <laughs> and this is what I tell my my male counterparts that are mm-hmm. like new divorce um, I'm like, dude, just go to the park with your kid. Trust yeah. me. Yeah, I'd be all over it. I'd be all over Trust it. Trust me. I met a guy actually at a party who broke his phone out, and then he had his son as a screensaver. And yep. I don't know if he thought I was going to put my number in or not. But I'm like, is that your baby? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got so excited. Mm-hmm. He was kind of cute first. But when I saw his mm-hmm. kid on his phone, he got real cute real fast <laughs> to me. I was like, I think I like you. <laughs> See, Here's my number. See, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna have to go into when you're on the dating websites. You don't really the ones that have all those pictures of their kids. That's nervous. Uh, <laughs> that's nervous. Oh, you guys, this is too much for me. Yeah, well, we're oh, gonna have to do a special episode. Like you, much. you got to lock on the parenting thing. Oh, I got to lock on the online dating gosh. thing. Like I put in some real this. time. I'm like the Malcolm Gladwell yes. of online dating. I put in any, more than my ten thousand hours. Exotic animals, <laughs> parrots, lizards. Oh no, it's a wrap. It's a done. I'm still waiting for Brother Man just to sort of catch my eye in the produce aisle. Are you <laughs> telling me this is not gonna happen? I'm I mean, just, it could. It could. Just like da 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 da. Long as you're ready to go, you know, to feel up on his lettuce or whatever. <laughs> you want to make that move in the produce? Yeah, like, I don't know, you know how to meet people in real life. I only know how to meet people online. <laughs> well, thank you, Rochelle, for joining us. Thank you for having Michelle, me. You're awesome. Thank you. You're so, so amazing. So thank much. you. Um, and thank you guys for listening. You can follow Modern Mia on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Modern Mia. M-A-T-E-R-M-E-A. And if you have a topic idea you'd like us to discuss in a future episode, you can email us at info at modernmia.com. And you can find Yolanda on Twitter at the real Yolanda. That's Yolanda spelled Y-L-O-N-D-A. And yeah, we're so excited. We're so excited. We stay excited. We, <laughs> All we the just, time. Yeah, we just stay stoked. Uh, the next here. time you hear us, we're just going to be at this level <laughs> still from last week. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. <laughs> this was fun. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.